The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And if you think back over your life, can you recall a time when you were particularly resolved, determined to do something, to follow through on something? When you acted based on a strong determination to follow through, to stick with it. And if you can think back at that time, some example, what did it feel like in your body? What did it feel like within yourself? the felt sense, the, to have this resolve. Energetically, emotionally, the way that you were in your body, used your body, mentally, what was it like for you? What was the feeling of being resolved? And then finally, in thinking back at times in your life where you were resolved, had a strong determination, how satisfying was it for you to have this feeling, have the sense of being resolved? How satisfying, how meaningful? What was it like that way to have resolve?
Pursue the resolve. So with you, there was, there was resolve, but there was a strong feeling of doubt within. Mm -hmm. Okay. Came with, came with doubt. Energized. Feeling of ener and being energized. Empowered. Empowered. Mm -hmm. Clarity. Hmm? Clarity. Clarity. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, here. Let me show you. It feels like a steel door comes down inside me, and that is it. And it's very clarifying to have all that business going on in my mind just suddenly focused on that one thing. Great. Over here. Victor, behind you. Uh, there's a subtle amount of uh, tension involved with resolve because there, there seems to be you're resolved, maybe you're resolved for something. Sometimes you're resolved against something or there's, in, there's a element of opposition or, or a p impediment that one needs to resolve oneself to go towards or through or... So let's, let's, let's reword it a little bit in the, given how we're doing it here. So for you, sometimes there's tension yeah. as part of it. Thank you. When I feel resolved and my focus is right on the task and there's just a whole lot of clarity that comes up, I know, you know, no doubt, that nails it right on the button. There's no doubt where I'm going. And when there's no doubt, there's no choice. There's only one choice. You know, that's what I'm resolved to do. Beautiful, thank the, you. Um, well, there's more. Yeah, but we just want a few words. We just want to get kind of okay. a sense from everyone. The range, just hopefully get a wide range of... Yeah. Do I? Okay. So there's two things. Resolve, as in determination, has a feeling of tension for me. Tight-fistedness, kind of, I'm going to get through this. And then resolved, as in resolution, has a feeling of relaxation and lightness. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then the question is, can the two come together? Great doubt about the outcome, but uh, certainty about the goal. Hmm. <laughs> meaning, meaning doubt about the success, but certainty about the... Okay. I feel self-respect. Mm, self-respect. Nice. Did we exhaust the possibilities? To make a resolution sometimes feels 
quite burdensome. Mm, okay, burdensome. Here, yes. Alignment. And a surrender to all of the other options. Mm, so being aligned, being in harmony with something, and then surrendering all the other options. I feel a freedom with resolve, so, an yeah. ease of uh-huh. freedom. So freedom comes along with it. Solution and choice. So solution and choice. This came off now. I disappeared. Someone else? For me, um, so, and so, a sense of excitement. So potential possibilities and a sense of excitement. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Sometimes relief. <laughs> relief. <laughs> what do you ask Shinquan there? She's thinking about it. <laughs> right in front of you. Actually, I was dozing off. I don't think I have a lot of resolve at this moment. <laughs> but now you're, now you're awake. <laughs> you have a word or two around resolve? Um, well, it was determination That's and a um, um, sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you all very much for that. That was a nice beginning to hear all that in a range of things, get you connected perhaps. So welcome to our day. Uh, This is our Dharma practice day um, on the parami of resolve. And Pali, it's aditana, and it's uh, often translated into English as resolve, sometimes as determination. Um, Very occasionally as aspiration, but I think that miss, misses the sense of, of uh, the follow-through. Aspiration can be kind of just wishful thinking. Uh, resolve is um, when you have the aspiration that you're, you're, there's a commitment to follow through and enthusiasm or devotion. Uh, uh, you're resolute to follow through. And um, so on these Dharma practice days, it's, uh, for those of you who are new, it's a chance for us to... Um, explore a particular theme in the Dharma in practice and um, and uh, some teaching for me but also some way where you personally engage in the theme or the topic um, not only individually but also as a community with other people if you go practice in monasteries uh, in a traditional way of practicing in monasteries the the um, not just simply a private you know solitary practice but it's very much practicing together in a community of other monks and nuns and practitioners. And what happens informally in the monastery is often a lot of Dharma discussions and, and discussion about you know, the practice and your relationship to it. And did you hear what the abbess said? And what do you think of that? And you know, that doesn't work for me or that works for me or this is my understanding of it. And, and that exchange and that kind of uh, contact with each other uh, is a very rich and important part of the overall practice. So how we replicate that a little bit here at IMC is we have these Dharma practice days where uh, there's actually a time for um, uh, discussion with other people, uh, sometimes in pairs, sometimes in other groups, larger groups. 
Sometimes there's uh, guided reflections like we did this morning and sometimes there's exercises that we do. And so the idea is uh, in different Dharma practice days there's different approaches, different, and it can vary somewhat over time how we do, how we do this. It'd be nice if each one was a little bit different so we came a little bit surprised. Um, and uh, the theme for the year is the perfections, the paramis or paramitas. And uh, the paramis are a, a list of virtues or personal qualities of character that support the development of Buddhist practice. Um, and not only do they support it, but they also grow out of it. So, uh, for example, resolve, it's very, it's a, uh, there are times when you're not going to really follow through on the call of practice, the, the, the possibilities that practice has for us, unless we're really resolved to follow through. Sometimes our life has a lot of other things we want to do, and so how do you, you know, you get pulled off and distracted quite easily. Sometimes um, practice is not easy to do. There's a, it can be very challenging. Even to sit every day at home, it can be challenging, let alone to kind of a lifetime of really following through and going to retreat and making it a big part of your life. Sometimes practice requires us to look at aspects of ourselves that are quite difficult and overcome some of the hindrances that we have. And it takes sometimes a lot of resolution to kind of stick to it and do it uh, and follow through. Sometimes the resolve means um, uh, um, sticking to something that we feel is very important, for example, practice, in, the, uh, in spite of the strong messages from others or our society or, you know, our family. You know, your family says, you know, you, you should go on, you should go, you know, go to graduate school, get a graduate school and get a degree. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's really important and get, you know, and get a stable job. And, but you feel like there's something else much more important going on for your life and it doesn't make any sense to do that kind of classic route. And so you resolve to fall through in what you believe is important independent of financial success or failure. Kind of like the starving artist where you know, thinks that I'm going to do this art regardless because this is what I have to do. And um, so with resolve, you know, having resolve then for practice sometimes is really important and you follow through on your practice. Um, but as you follow through on the practice, that strengthens the capacity for resolve. It strengthens your capacity to be committed and follow through in a commitment. And, uh, and then some of the hindrances, the doubts and the obstacles, that the distractions that keep you from following through begin falling away. And so then it's easier to be resolved. And so the resolve becomes a stronger muscle over time. And so it becomes kind of, kind of circular where the practice builds resolve, the resolve supports the practice, and it goes on like that. So that's true for all ten of the paramitas, that they both support the practice and they also then are strengthened by the practice. And what's classically said in Theravadan Buddhism is that you need to have a certain minimum amount of these personal qualities in order to uh, really follow through the full possibility of what practice has to offer. Um, and um, if you don't have enough, and so that first one, the uh, sense of generosity or enough sense of virtue, the first two, enough ethical integrity, if you don't have enough wisdom or energy, enough patience, enough sense of the truth, truthfulness. Um, it's, uh, you know, you need some of that in order to follow through and practice. And it's the same thing with res- resolve. You need some. And so sometimes what's the uh, limiting factor for people 
continuing practice or developing the practice or letting it unfold is um, is there um, is the lack of these paramis, these developments. And sometimes a person can have one parami very strong. You can have resolve very strong. But perhaps the commitment to truth is not strong. Or the commitment to integrity or the commitment to patience. Is, you, know, you can be very resolved but completely impatient. And so you, know, you need a number of these to work together. Sometimes one is enough to carry you through. So like for me, uh, when I kind of look back at my years of more intensive practice, um, and I think, what was my strongest parami, my strongest quality that supported me? And uh, I, my guess is it was resolve. I was, you know, I was really resolved. I didn't have a lot of natural ability to get concentrated, for example, in meditation, but I made up for it by being resolved. And so I became concentrated, but not because of the resolve, kind of kept me going and focused and continuous. And um, so... Um, so different people have different strengths and so different strengths which will carry, the, carry them, support them. Sometimes when the people get to a, a barrier, an obstacle, or don't seem to make any so-called progress anymore in practice, it's not uncommon for teachers, especially in Thailand, to say, oh, that person needs to develop certain of these paramis rather than continuing to beat their head against the wall of trying to meditate and meditate and meditate if his meditation is the only way. Um, maybe what's needed is to take a break from retreats or a lot of meditation and develop some of these intentionally. Um, and when once that's strong, then maybe then something some door opens up and it's possible to continue. So they're beautiful, certainly beautiful qualities. Um, there, you know, I think of all of these. Uh, I listed some of them already, right? So I listed there's generosity and ethical integrity and making effort and oh, uh, so so generosity, ethics, renunciation, wisdom, energy, patience, resolve. And then the next uh, two, which we'll do in the next two months, is um, loving-kindness and equanimity. So all of these are quite beautiful. And when you see them crystallized in a very clear way, coming through clearly with a, in a person, it's quite inspiring to see it in that person, any of these, these qualities. Very meaningful. And hopefully um, there are times in your life where you've touched into these different ones in a way that they've crystallized or clarified or stood out. And you've, uh, so you have some sense of their value and appreciate them. Um, so that's the introduction for today. Um, to say a few more things about uh, resolve, this aditana. Um, I don't think it. Uh, this doesn't in 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 Pali the word aditana. Adi means kind of like something heightened, like something special. And tana means to stand. So to heightened, taking a stand, maybe that's what the etymology of the word might, might mean. So taking a position, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm sticking to. Um, which is a nice. The English uh, etymology resolve I like a lot as well because it comes from the word solve. And so it has this, uh, so it's not just a matter of kind of, you know, bearing down and sticking to something but it also has the idea of something being solved in the process. But solved also relates to the word solution. If you look back at the Latin word root for solve, it means to be in in solution, in liquid, to be dissolved. And so to resolve, and certainly Buddhist meditation practice is also to begin to dissolve. (laughs) Certainly we dissolve the tensions we hold and the attachments we have. And so the idea of being resolved 
um, is not supposed to end up being tense. You might be tense. There might have to maybe sometimes has to be tension, as Victor said, sometimes, and to do it because sometimes we're up against huge obstacles in practice. Um, I don't know if any of you, but you know, but uh, you know, my mind sometimes is, you know, it needs some help, and sometimes the resolve, you know, just I'm going to stick to it and not listen to all these different possible motivations and desires and feelings and everything. So, you know, just to stick to it. And sometimes that takes some tension to follow through and do something which is not easy to do. But, uh, but in a sense, in a shorthand perhaps, a very shorthand, kind of cliche-ish, kind of shorthand of Buddhist practice um, would be to be completely resolved at being relaxed. <laughs> so, you know, so... You know, you might be tense originally, but the, the, the goal, the whole, all things about it, is learning to be relaxed. Um, not to be relaxed about being relaxed, but be committed to being relaxed, to follow through, to be thorough about being, being relaxed. Being thorough about learning to let go, thorough about showing up and being present, thorough in, you know, being mindful. So I think of this idea of resolve as one of the things that supports our capacity to be thorough. And thorough, I think, is really necessary in order to really follow through or to fill our lives with uh, the value of the Dharma and the practice. So how do we get become thorough is by being resolved. Um, so the word determination is sometimes used as well. And determination has both the meaning of being resolved and you know, committed in some way, but it also means that something's been decided. And so we, I, de- I decided on this thing, and so this is what I'm gonna, where I'm going to put my stand. This is what I'm going to follow through on. Some people uh, shy away from determination or resolve. Um, they're afraid of it, or they feel like it's something wrong to do it, or you know, they feel they're not worthy of it, or they feel like if they're determined that somehow they're going to go against the grain of other people's wishes, or they're going to roll over people, or you know, they just... So there's a lot of obstacles to, to resol- being resolved, being determined to follow through. Uh, sometimes it's fear. Um, sometimes uh, it's reasonable fear. You know, like, you know, you know, how am I going to, if I just kind of throw myself into doing a long retreat, even if I go to do a three-month retreat, which is a big deal, um, you know, that, that's kind of foolish because, you know, can I come, will, will, they, will they hire me back in my job when I come back? Yeah, maybe they won't. You know, three months is a long time to take a leave of absence. And so maybe there's a reasonable fears. You know, what about how am I going to have a livelihood? I'm going to follow through if I, you know, with my life, if I kind of step out for three months. And so we have to negotiate that. And, and uh, sometimes the sense of resolve is so strong that uh, it doesn't matter if there's fear. I'm going to follow through anyway. This is what I'm going to do. A very kind of simple, simple um, colloquial way of saying resolve is stick to Stick to sticking to things to stick to it. I'm going to stick to this, and uh, maybe some of you have had the experience of I'm going to stick to this, however long it takes. My um, eight-year-old son. Someone gave him um, a present this year, or Christmas or something, which is a origami box, folding paper thing, and it's it's a 365 origami shapes to make over the years, so one a day. And it comes in a origami, each instruction comes in a 
on the origami. So like, you know, April 15th, right? So the instructions for April 15th, today's, uh, comes on the paper that he'll make April 15th. So in other words, the instruction, the paper he's going to do his folding on today had the instructions for the folding he did yesterday. Right? So the backside somehow. So, and they're getting increasingly elaborate, you know. It's, he's been doing it since January, I guess. And, and um, these very complicated boxes and, you know, boxes in boxes and stars. And, you know, it's just quite elaborate. And he's, he's eight years old. And um, he loves, likes doing them, but um, he'll be standing at the table doing them. And, and sometimes he, he gets angry. You know, he gets really angry and he gets vents a little bit about, you know, this is hard. And, and, but he never asks for help. And he never gives up. He just stays there and stays there. He's going to do this. And he's going to do it. And then eventually he has a box or he has the thing. And it's beautiful. He has this, he has this capacity for being, being determined. So I'm going to follow through on this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this out. And, you know, I wish he wouldn't, you know, get angry, but, but, um, exactly. But, you know, he had had these kind of, he doesn't swear, but you get some kind of, (laughs) I don't, I don't think he, not yet, he doesn't know those words yet, but, (laughs) but, um, you know, you, you hear these little explosions. (laughs) And, um, but, you know, he, and, you know, I hear these explosions, I think, well, a reasonable person would give up. I mean, it's not working. (laughs) But, you know, he's going to, to it. So, in terms of the paramis, the stick tunis has to do uh, intimately with two things. It has to do with our liberation, and it has to do with our compassion. That's what it, what makes these qualities paramis is when they're connected to these two. So, it isn't just simply having resolve for pizza. I mean, you can do that, it's okay, but, but uh, that's not what, then, you know, being resolved for pizza, then that resolve is not a parami. It becomes a parami when the resolve is con- connected to being on the path to liberation, to freedom, and when it's on the path of living with, uh, in the world with compassion. And so resolve here both supports the movement towards liberation and it supports compassion. As we become more compassionate, as we become more free, it then supports the growth of resolve. And so this is really the, the you know, the, you know, so we're not today, we're not just looking at resolve as a general quality in our life, but we're really looking at resolve at, at, uh, at how it points back to the heart of what Buddhist practice is about, freedom and compassion. So... Um, do you have any questions about that you want to ask? Anything you want to say or comments at this point? You don't have to, but maybe it stimulated something. Right behind you. I was intrigued by um, what you were saying about having resolve without patience and so forth. And 
when I thought about it, I thought, it's almost like you need them both. You know, they're really almost two sides of the same coin. I don't know. Could be, yes. Kim? I would distinguish resolve from um, skillful desire. I see resolve as um, the force to stand still while everything else moves around, but I'm going to stay where I am. Whereas skillful desire or chanda is what has the goal to it. I don't see resolve as having a goal quite as much as I've heard somewhat. Interesting. It's just my impression. It could could be. I mean, there's many many things to be resolved too. So the resolve to be still, to be here, is very important, especially in meditation and in being free. But um, you can have... See, I I think of resolve as being being, um, different than intention, different than desire but connected to intention and desire because there has to be an intention and desire for resolve to operate. And so resolve is the strength, the power, or the commitment, uh, but more than just commitment, but it's the, it's the follow-through energy that I'm going to do this. And uh, so certainly, I think, I think one of the beautiful things in meditation practice is the resolve to stay still and not give in to anything and stay present. But I think that there can be desire for uh, cultivating loving kindness. And then there can be, I'm going to resolve to do it. I talked to a beautiful monk yesterday. And, um, and he was telling me about his, his loving kindness practice. And he said, he said yeah, oh yeah, when I walk around, um, uh, I asked him if he, I asked him, do you, when you do loving kindness practice, do you coordinate the phrases you say with your breathing? And he said, no. Uh, not, uh, not when I, I do when I'm meditating, but uh, I, if I do that when I'm walking around in the streets, then um, I kind of get too into myself, kind of more, kind of, you know, internal, and I don't pay attention enough what's going around. So I don't, I don't focus on my breath when I, I just do the phrases as I'm walking along because I'm walking around the street, um, you know, nothing better to do. <laughs> so I go around and I say my phrases and just kind of see what happens and say my phrase and see what happens and stay open. And, so, you know, here he has, he has a certain kind of resolve, a relaxed resolve, but, you know, enough resolve to follow through walking around the streets and doing loving-kindness. So I think there can be desire. Yeah. Yeah, it's really... It, for me, it's really kind of interesting because there's a goal, or there's kind of a direction that we're going to go, but there's also the tranquility that I miss a, a, a often in myself. I get real excited sometimes. And then it's been able to go with the flow as we're going in that direction. So it's kind of like paddling a canoe upstream. You know, you're going upstream, but without a map, you actually don't know what upstream is, you know, so you might go up this one little creek and decide, well, no, that doesn't feel good. So you go up another. And that's kind of what resolve is, is you know you're going upstream. But you really, and that's the focus. You know you want to get to the top, but you don't really know exactly what it takes to get there. So it's kind of going against the flow as you're going with the flow. (laughs) Is that clear as mud? (laughs) So, So to go back to then with Kim's idea of standing still, I mean, there's, there's so many different, uh, so many th- different things to be resolved at or with, and um, and also there's I don't know how to say it exactly, but there's like layers. I mean, you can have 
you can have a goal of freedom and know that the best way to become free, more free in the future, like a goal, is to be completely present here and not move from this spot. And if you, if you commit to here and stay here, uh, then something begins to shift and change, and that change brings you to freedom, to greater freedom. So the goal is, might be downriver, but the, but the way to get there is to really paddle the boat here, or just to stand here. Make some sense? What I'm saying? Yes, Cindy. So what happens when your resolve causes suffering for others? Well, uh, then you need to stop and, and, uh, and reflect carefully what's really going on and what's the trade-off and uh, what's the nature of that person's suffering, what's the nature of what you're trying to do. Uh, sometimes maybe you're overly attached to something and so the, the relationship between being attached and being resolved are two different things, Right? But sometimes we're very attached, and it's the attachment that gives the resu- gives gives the strength to the resolve. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, um, what comes to mind right now is you know how I chased girls when I was 15. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty resolved. I mean, the things that I did to you know was follow through. Was you know, you know, I mean, I, 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 I once went through. I wanted to meet this girl again, and. Um, uh, all I knew was the street she lived on and her first name. So my friend and I went through the telephone book, and we, from the, I went to the, from the back, and he went through the, from the front, and uh, we we called everyone. We looked for the streets, and we called everyone who lived on that street, which we went through the telephone book, and asked for her by the name, and uh, we found her. <laughs> but that's a resolve, you know. <laughs> But I don't know how much freedom was in that. <laughs> yeah, there was certainly a lot of desire. <laughs> so, but in terms of you know someone else getting hurt because of it or feeling suffering because of it, um, then you have to. Re- I think it's really good to stop. Anytime somebody stop and look at that and question it and try to understand, maybe talk to them about it. It could be by talking about it you can understand better what's happening. It could be that they're being unreasonable. They're attached to something, and it's their practice. And sometimes your job is just ignore them. I'm sorry, but you know I feel for you, but you have to work this out yourself. Sometimes it's, they're off somehow, and you say, "Well, I care about you, and how, what can we do to make this easier or work this out for, so it works for both of us?" We have to make it work for both of us, and how do we do that? And um, and sometimes, uh, depending on how they're suffering, you realize that you know that they're not going to you know that maybe this isn't a situation where their well-being takes higher precedent than yours. And so you might be very resolved about the, how important it is to be free and to meditate and go and retreat. And this is the most important thing in your life. And, um, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. And you know you can be a tremendous service to the world around you if you can kind of free your heart and deal with your whatever deep issues you have. And this is, nothing can be more important seemingly. And they say, oh yeah, but I should remember it. I have this, uh, you know, one-year-old at home. <laughs> You know, and if I leave now, this one-year-old's going to suffer. You know, mom leaves, right? And so what takes precedence? So then I hope that the taking care of this kid is more important than going on retreat. So there, there's a trade-off, and you have to kind of find your way, and there's no 
formula for just accept a lot of attention and mindfulness and, and uh, empathy, understanding of the other people and yourself and trying to find what's best. Uh, the approach that I take often with a lot of things is, um, is kind of two, twofold. On one hand, I'd like to, like to believe that I'm looking for the greater good for, the, for everyone. What's best for everyone involved? Not just what's best for me or for that person. What's good for the greater good? But also I have this kind of belief that, um, or operating principle, that um, if, you, if you explore the situation enough, and, uh, you, can find, you can find a solution that brings out the best in it for everyone. So rather than a kind of win-lose kind of situation, you hang in there, well, how's a win-win for everyone? Um, I had a comment, but also what you were saying about someone leaving the young child, it made me think about Deepama, her resolve that she needed to heal herself and left her daughter in the care of someone else in order for something bigger. So just kind of well, made me think of that yeah, in a moment. Yeah. What was her resolve in that? She was suffering. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't resolved on liberation per se, but exactly, but her suffering was so monumental and she was so sick that I don't know I think she, she probably couldn't have been a good parent and so she, I mean you know that was an extreme situation where you know, she needed healing she needed you know the hospital you know spiritual hospital um, and so she came back and she has a, you know she came back and was a, uh, I met her in India I met her at her daughter's house and there was a loving relationship it wasn't I don't think her daughter I couldn't tell if they suffered because of it but it was, you know, they were committed. And yes. So, so, but that, that's, sometimes people's suffering is what makes them resolve. The suffering is so big that, you know, if they don't do something here, the, the, the other option is not, doesn't work anymore. And, and that goes to my original comment before you had that. It's like, to me, there seems to be a quality of generosity in resolve in that, I'm hearing something deep inside myself towards liberation, towards compassion, like she did. And there's a generous act or quality that I'm actually offering to myself by this resolve. So it really feels it's like a generous thing. It could be. It, it doesn't have to be, but it could be. And, and uh, it's a beautiful thing to be generous towards yourself or generous to the Dharma or generous to to uh, be very gracious and generous and, and to... Uh, the urges, the aspirations that arise from within us. Where's the other mic? Okay, why don't you go ahead then, if you have it. I was just wondering this week if there's a, a shadow side of resolve. Absolutely, um, we'll get to that <laughs> in the course of the day. Okay. Well, maybe that's the same question I have, which is... Um, how do you keep resolve? Well, you mentioned a while back the link between attachment and resolve. And I find with myself that uh, it can become an obsession, the resolve, and then I burn out on it. So that's an obstacle for me, and yeah. I hope you'll address that. Yes, yeah, we'll talk about obstacles. But yes, I mean, resolve can come with all kinds of associated problems. I mean, there can be a lot of attachment. You can be, you can be resolved on something really beautiful and valuable, but, um, but it comes along with clinging, you know, and so then it's, you know, you end up with problems. Okay. Um, 
So, um, some of you might need to go to the bathroom at this point after an hour of sitting here, but so you can, other way we would do a, do a, break you up into pairs to talk about this uh, individually in, a little bit. And then before you start, you can go off to the bathroom and come back and start your paired discussion. And, um, and uh, what I'd like you to discuss uh, is, um, is, some, is your, how resolve has worked for you. Now, what, there's this way, what are you resolved in, in terms of doing a mindfulness practice, a Buddhist practice, a path of liberation practice, spiritual practice? <coughs> what are you resolved on? Are you resolved? Could you be resolved? What would resolve be like in, in doing a spiritual practice? Um, uh, uh, what has been your experience of being resolved in the, in the, in the, in the most successful ways? Um, what, are the, what are the benefits you received from being resolved in doing a spiritual practice uh, and following through in that kind of committed way? And if the idea of connecting it to mindfulness, meditation, or spiritual practice doesn't quite work for you, then um, find something else. What is something really good that you have been resolved on in your life? And what was that like for you? What did it feel like? Uh, what was it that allowed you to follow through? Uh, what supported it? Uh, what were some of the you know, uh, things connected to allow you to follow through in a good way? Does that make enough sense? It's not, a, it's not an exact question because... Uh, I like these questions from being a little bit vague, so you can find your own way in it. Find your, or, so different way, find yourself in it, and uh, rather than you know, I'm not looking for an answer like you know, the A answer, the particular. I'm looking for, I'm finding way. How, I want to have questions that allows you to kind of discover or find yourself. And the way you, the way that these kinds of pair discussions work best is that uh, don't think of them as an ordinary conversation where you're telling someone else something for their sake. But rather, you're speaking so you can hear yourself, and so as you speak, you can explore and discover something new about the topic. And if you find yourself telling telling someone else something you've told people a hundred times before, you know the whole thing really well, Um, you know, it's probably not so useful. You want to kind of say it quickly or abbreviatedly or something. Try to find some way to push the envelope to get beyond uh, and understand this particular thing in a new way or, or go beyond the, 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 the already well-worn understandings you have. It is to try to discover something about yourself. And, um, and so uh, uh, one way to do these kinds of pair discussions have one person just talk for a while and the other person just listen. And um, so the person who talks can just kind of explore and maybe there's pauses and they can explore and think and explore and, and find their way and see what's new or what comes up or what bubbles up that might be different. And the other person mostly just listens, doesn't ask questions, just listens. And um, so for this time, what I, sometimes I give it a length of time. I say, okay, do it for, um, you know, five minutes or ten minutes, each person talks and then the other person listens and then we switch. Today what I'd like to try with is uh, uh, find your own way in that. Make sure that you're more or less talking the same. One person doesn't dominate the period of time. But it doesn't have to be one person 
half the time, first half, and the other person gets the second half. It might be a quarter, 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 quarter. Or I don't know how you're going to find your way, but be a little bit more fluid and relaxed about it than how we usually are. And um, you'll have 15 minutes to do it. And I'll ring the bell when we're halfway through, just so you can check, make sure you check in <laughs> how it's going and switch if you haven't switched or kind of uh, trying to find more balance in who's done the, doing the talking. Um, does that make enough sense? Is that clear? Any questions about that? So um, find uh, a partner you can sit with, and, um, and then when you're ready, you can start. <laughs>